What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. An absolutely loaded show. Jerem goes one-on-one -on -one with BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis, and we had Austin Colley in studio to discuss how he'd rate the BYU offense and preview the TCU game. On the next episode, Spencer will be live in Fort Worth, and we'll preview the matchup with ESPN's Brock Osweiler. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN. Here on BYU Radio, baby. This helped lead BYU to a 4-1 start to the season. But what grade would you give Keaton for his play so far this year? And speaking of the BYU quarterback, we'll hear from Slovis on the potential of the BYU offense, preparing to play against TCU's unique defense, and what he did during the bye week. The greatest receiver in BYU history, at least to me, Austin Colley joins the program to talk about BYU at TCU, Puka Nakua's NFL start, and much more. And the Big 12 men's hoops media poll comes out this week. Would anything outside of the bottom two spots be good for BYU? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I am Jerem Jordan. Welcome to the program. It is Thursday, October 12th. Well, after Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall running the show here in Provo at quarterback, the quarterback position has high expectations. Keaton Slovis has slid in very nicely into that role. I spoke with the Cougar signal caller after practice yesterday. All right, it's TCU week, but you had a bye week. Did you get a chance to relax a little bit? Yeah, got a chance to relax. Still want to train, and like, uh, even when you have the days off, you kind of miss being back here. But it was good to get you know away for a bit, get a jump start on TCU, and uh, again, good to be back. Before the interview, you said you went and trained with John Beck. Yeah, yeah, I did. Just got one day in. I uh, didn't want to go like five, four or five days without throwing, so uh, got a throwing in the midday po midway point, and uh, feel pretty good coming back. Obviously, that's been one of the biggest connective tissues between you and BYU, but what is he still kind of teaching you, and what are you still working on that you apply? At this point in the season, honestly, it's just staying sharp and working on the throws that uh, you know you kind of worked on in the summer. Maybe something's come up in practice, uh, maybe an in-cut this way or an out-cut this way. Uh, let's work on those, maybe some off-platform stuff. Uh, at this point in the season, though, again, it was pretty short workout, like 50 throws, uh, but it's nice having him to really talk through the offense and uh, even work on some, some more niche things that you wouldn't get to in a practice environment. So I said, did you do anything fun? And you were like, yes, I threw a football. Uh, <laughs> what, what other fun things did you do? Yeah, I got to go to the beach, hung out with Isaac for a bit. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, got to experience, you know, just warm weather. And, uh, you know, it's raining today. So yeah. got out to the beach and get some, get some sun. Wasn't too bad. But, uh, yeah, again, miss being back here. I'm crazy, I guess. I was going to say, you deserve a little relaxation, right? Um, but the bye comes at a nice time. It's five weeks in. BYU's 4-1. Obviously, the offense, like the yardage, you want more and points and more. But you guys have been super opportunistic. How would you evaluate kind of what the offense has been through five games? Yeah, you know, we haven't reached our potential yet, but we've done a lot of good things in spurts. Uh, we just want to be more consistent. Um, and I think, too, a lot of it's plays. You know, we haven't gotten a ton of plays, and a lot of teams kind of bled us out. And uh, I think Cincinnati, for example, had like twice the amount of plays as we did. But we need to be really efficient within those plays. And, again, yards can be a lot of things, and that's fun. And we want to get to that point. Hopefully we'll get to that point when we don't get – uh, you know, we sustain drives more, um, but again, points is what's most important, and uh, we've done a good job being optimistic, like you said. Does that change the way things are called or how you approach things given, okay, we may have fewer plays, or, hey, defense has given us shorter fields and average starting field position is pretty good with Rico and so on. Does that affect how you approach what you need to do in shorter amount of plays? Um, I think when you're in certain parts of the field, definitely definitely changes play calling. You cast Rod that. Uh, I think he would answer that for sure, changes things. But uh, you always want to play your best ball, you know, regardless of where you're on the field. You're always trying to score. Um, 
and again, like I think, you know, when, when we just need to be better at being good all the time, you know, it's not uh, necessarily like the play calls are different or anything. We just have to execute, you know, on a more consistent basis. Um, but yeah, like when the play is called, we got to execute it and we can go score anywhere on the field. And we saw a two minute drive, right? Like, uh, it might not be the most ideal situation, but we can do it. How'd you do that at the end of the first half against Cincinnati? Because you had 38 yards up to that point, but that didn't matter. It was just like 20, 20, 20, pass interference, 20. Yeah, um, you know, I think we just fell back to running the plays that we really feel comfortable with. And um, again, you kind of got to start it with the big play to get it going. And again, it only takes two or three plays, especially in college, clock stops the first down. It's not easy, but um, you actually have a chance to score. Whereas in the NFL, clock's running, it's really tough. So, um, you know, I've had few drives in the past where we scored in like 20 seconds, 15 seconds when you didn't think you could even get to field goal range. Uh, so again, I think you just got to you know, stay steadfast. And I think too, we knew you know, it wasn't the half we wanted, just kept going thir- three and out or not sustaining drives. And uh, we knew if we just kept you know, chugging away and uh, you know, get something going in our direction, once we get the ball rolling, it'll keep going. I was going to say, what, is there any sense of like, okay, we haven't even hit 400 yards in a game yet, yet we're four and one and there's been complimentary football. How, how do you kind of see how this has played out and what you still could do should the run game get going a little more? I think that shows how great we can be. You know, we've had games, again, we haven't played our best ball, and we scored 35, 38 points, um, and there's still stuff out in the field. So it goes, hey, guys, we can score more than that um, if we're playing our best ball or even just good, great ball. Um, so I think that shows where this offense can go. And, again, a lot of new pieces. It's still, uh, you know, relatively still in the front half of the season, technically, uh, going into our sixth game this week. So, again, we have a lot of, uh, you know, good things to do. We just got to clean up here and clean up in game day. What is the next step for the run game? Because I know there's been some really nice chunk plays, you know, the 29 and 45-yard touchdowns by LJ and so on and so forth. Success rate matters, setting you up for a third manageable matters. What are you seeing that's like, okay, we're, we're right here with the run game maybe? We're close. You know, it takes, it takes uh, all 11, you know, and uh, – in the in the in terms of O linemen and tight ends, it might take you know one guy of six not getting his job done, um, you know on perimeter one guy not getting his block, and um, again me maybe not throwing an RPO, me not holding the end responsible. So it's an 11 man deal. Um, I think we've gotten better um, at times, and I think too I think uh, you know we got some stuff game plan wise too. I think to help our guys out, um, I'm happy with our plan this week, and again a lot of new pieces too. I think as the season goes on, you'll see a lot of improvement at that unit. What's your favorite throw you've had this year? <laughs> um, there's been a lot, you know, I don't want to say, you know, one here or there, but uh, it's just so fun playing this offense. I think there's so many opportunities to have a throw on the field. You go, I go back in every game and say, oh, that was like a favorite throw of this game. That was a favorite throw of this game. Uh, we have so many opportunities down the field to take shots and, uh, you know, make t- tough throws. Um, and that's, you know, what I came here to do. I'll tell you mine. Uh, the, the 59 yarder to Chase. Be- one, because it's not for Chase. But two, the way you avoided the rush and we're hit in the face, not called, and Keanu gets PI'd, not called, yet it's a touchdown. That's one of the best plays of the year. What do you think? Uh, I, I like it. You know, it's a little bit more luck than skill, so I can't <laughs> say it's my favorite play. Um, but, yeah, it was a good play for us, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, luck works your way, and it was nice to kind of catch a break there. The sidestep of the rush was pretty good. No, I, I, appreciate I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Do you always wear a headband in practice? Because I looked over, I was like, is that Zach Wilson? No, it was Keaton Slovis. I do. I, I sometimes wear in the game. I just, I'm, this is kind of gross, but I just sweat a lot. So um, in practice, I just wear it because, uh, you know, I want to get sweat in my eyes. And game day, I like the feel of having the helmet as tight as possible. So I usually don't. But like Kansas, it was so humid, I ended up wearing it for the game. Uh, I really don't wear it for the games. But uh, again, we practice every day, losing a lot of, lot of fluid. I got to, you know, try to 
keep some stuff out of my, my eyes. It's very relatable. Uh, Zach Wilson said that in Hard Knocks because Aaron Rodgers was given a hard time. He's like, no, literally, I sweat. I can't see if it comes into my eyes. So I get it. I get it. Okay, let's talk TCU. Another big challenge. Obviously, a team coming off two losses, but a ton of talent there. Um, what do you see from the Horned Frogs, and what is the challenge going to Fort Worth this weekend? Yeah, they're a really talented team. Obviously, playing the National Championship last year, uh, a lot of good players, um, and, and done a lot of good stuff on tape, too. I think the, the, the biggest challenge for us is this first time really seeing that 3-3-5, uh, different kind of defense than we're used to playing. Um, so i uh, got some game, game plan stuff for that, but also changes just the way we run some of our core plays. So uh, I think just understanding that it's a big week and nice time for the bye, too, to really get acquainted with that defense and uh, get more and more comfortable with what we'll see Saturday. I think you've been – people have been so comfortable with what you've done so far. They almost haven't noticed how kind of efficient and good you've been, especially coming off of two drafted quarterbacks. You've been in, in uh, you know, two different P5 uh, conferences and teams. How have you sort of settled into guiding this offense into new territory of we're in a conference, we're playing P5s every week? How comfortable have you felt in sort of, all right, let's go, this is not bigger than us right now? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think just the confidence of guys hasn't been hard. You know, I think guys feel like, okay, now we have this goal in mind and uh, we see where guys in the conference are at and we feel like we fit in just fine. You know, and uh, every Saturday, you know, in the Big 12 especially, any given Saturday, anything can happen. And uh, I think guys, you know, feel comfortable going in with that mindset of, you know, let's bet on us and give ourselves the best opportunity to go win. Um, and again, it's been easy, again, message from top down. I think Kalani and A-Rod talked and Jay Hill talked about being at Utah during that transition of being moving to a conference. So I think they really set the foundation, laid the foundation for us to have success. Um, and again, I think again, for us week in, week out, just to refocus and kind of, you know, maintain motivation for every week and every game. You had been to obviously playing at uh, Lavelle Stadium, played BYU, and, and going out on the road. Have you been surprised at all by like how much Cougar Nation shows up? Because this week TCU tried to freeze out BYU fans, but StubHub gonna hook them Cougar fans up. I think that's the thing that surprised me most. Hearing that they're not selling single game tickets is kind of crazy. Um, but actually, in, in 2021, when I was at USC, uh, it was mostly BYU fans there, and I think that to me was eye-opening. I saw the atmosphere at home, but seeing on the way, I was like, man, the, the Coliseum's mostly blue tonight. It's kind of wild. Um, so I think I expected it, but still, you know, impressed me every time. We go to Kansas, we have a huge section. Arkansas, you have a huge blue, blue stripe in the middle of the stadium. So uh, it's awesome to have the support there. It feels like every away game, we're in a hostile environment, but we have a lot of support there as well. Well, Keaton, best of luck at TCU, and thanks for the time. Man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate an interview where I learned something and I learned stuff from Keaton Slovis. He's and, the best. Uh, he, he does a really nice job. And it was funny uh, when I was like, what did you do on the bye week? And, you know, fun. He's like, I threw. It's like, <laughs> no, I want to know what you did to relax. But he did. He went down and he got some throws in. He didn't want to go too long without throwing. So, yeah, he's dialed in. And, and I, I think, Spence, people are pretty comfortable with, like, people aren't asking questions of Slovis or the quarterback position. Certainly he could, he could do more in the opportunities he has, but – BYU's not run a ton of plays. Third fewest amount of plays, 305, in college football. you got to bake when you got the dough, and BYU has so far. How much more do you want from Keaton Slovis, aside from taking away two interceptions at Kansas? And maybe One of those was fine. One of those was random. Wanting him to, to come out and, and be a little bit sharper in his first game. But, I mean, there's nerves. First game... Like, the offense and the offensive line was not playing well altogether. It wasn't just Keaton's fault. Right. So, I mean, aside from, like, those things, what else do you want from him? He's, he's been fantastic. We'll yeah. talk about that at length coming up in just a little bit. We'll give him a grade. What do we give him so far? And is, is it on a curve? 
because I sure liked those uh, when it was on a curve in uh, college. Cougar pregame live is on BYU Radio this Saturday at 1.30 Eastern time as Shep and the gang gets ready for BYU and TCU reunited. Who doesn't love a 74% A minus? Grade that baby on a curve. Oh, I love those. Up next, yeah, let's go to the grades that Jerem was just talking about. Where do we give him a midterm grade and how would you rate him? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. We just heard from Keaton Slovis much more on the quarterback conversation at essentially the midway point of the season in just a bit. So let's rise and shout and get to what's trending. He didn't slow this back to pass. Slovis walks into the end zone. Slovis dancing out of pressure. ESPN's Adam Rittenberg and Tom Van Haren give midseason grades to each transfer quarterback, Jerem. Are we just going to ignore the jazz flute that was beautifully played during that music video, like Ron Burgundy? I'm not even man? prepared. I'm not even prepared of this. Pull the jazz flute out of the sleeve <laughs> and go to work. It was well played by our content team. Nice. Transfer quarterbacks being graded yeah. by some of ESPN's insiders, yep. and Keaton Slovis obviously falls into that category. He is on topic today. They gave Slovis a B for his first five games. Yeah. Which grade would you give Keaton Slovis through his first five games as the BYU quarterback? I want to preface this by saying um, how comfortable, like I said to Keaton yesterday, is we are with him. No one's going, you know what needs to be better? Keaton Slovis. Like, Keaton Slovis has been very good. I give him a straight-up B as well. I, I could even argue for higher, yeah. um, but the numbers aren't, like, you know, setting the world on fire. But, uh, again, BYU has run the third fewest plays in college football. So I'm not looking at a lot of totals right now. What I am looking at is uh, efficiency in certain areas. Red zone scoring, BYU is 92% right now and scored 13 times and yeah. 17 times. Yes. Touchdowns, specifically. Only sacked six times. That is O-line. That is Keaton avoiding the rush as well. That is 20th fewest in the country. In the 10 to 20-yard Range, uh, he's 25 of 46, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I like that kind of intermediate game that we talked about, him perhaps being a little better than Zach and Jaron at. And then you look at some of the, the totals. And the, again, these aren't setting the world on fire. QBR is kind of middle of the pack, 54th. Yards per attempt, 57th. Passer rating, 57th. EPA, that's expected points added, 49th. 10 to 3 touchdown to interception radio, ratio. Like, these are fine. They're not, like, amazing. They're not terrible. Again, the schedule is tougher. He's got 18 pass plays of 20-plus, like BYU's being explosive. I really liked his awareness, presence, leadership, poise, exemplified by having 38 yards of total offense against Cincinnati before that final drive. BYU didn't just kneel it out. They let him cook with whatever kind of oil you cook with, avocado oil probably for you, Spence, right? Um, <laughs> Three plays, 82 yards, 30 seconds to give BYU the lead that they never relinquished. That, that told me a lot about how much Aaron Roderick trusts Keaton Slovis because BYU totally could have kneeled it out. I really like what he's done so far this year. It's not setting the world off on fire numerically, 
but it is getting BYU to a point where when there's good field position, when you get a takeaway, even if you're not making things happen, Keaton Slovis and this offense are playing well enough for 4-1 and one at this point. I'm going to give him a B plus, and here's why. Humor me, and let's just look at a little closer at the metrics that you just put up specifically with ESPN's QBR. If you take out the Sam Houston game, which was by far Keaton Slovis's worst game of the season, but admittedly Aaron Roderick said, oh, I just shut down the offense in large part in the second half. We weren't doing anything. We were just handing the ball off. And we, were ahead, we, we just needed, didn't to, want to, we show needed to get out much. of there, yeah. and it was not going well. And the offensive line was haywire, and guys were in the wrong places. Nobody was helping Keaton out. So he took a terrible quarterback rating grade in that game. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the numbers and said, okay, what if we wiped away the 30? I, he had a QBR of 30 in that Sam Houston game. Terrible, right? Let's wipe that away and just look at what he's done in the four games after that. In fact, let's just go to the three power five games. So I looked at his QBR in the three power five games that he has played. It averages out to 71.6, which is much better than down around 63.9, where he is, which ranks 54th in the country. If you go to 71.6, just against power five foes, and all these other quarterbacks have played FCS foes too, right? Yeah. 71.6 would rank 35th, just ahead of one Shadur Sanders at Colorado. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Now, if we add. Now it's personal. If we add Southern Utah into the mix and remove only the Sam Houston game. And again, I know. Let's get as selective as we want. Right. Let's do it. Just take out the one bad game against Sam Houston and and the four games. It moves up closer to 73.9, which would make him almost top 25 in the country in QBR. It'd be 28 tied with Spencer Rattler of South Carolina and Talia Tagovailoa from Maryland. Both those guys have been pretty good for their respective teams. So I feel like it was kind of an anomaly in the Sam Houston game. It's an aberration because he has 30, and then everything else has been way above that. At Kansas, with the three interceptions, he scores like a 60. But outside of that, it's been pretty good. So. I'm grading on a curve, if you will. Yeah. I'm removing the totally. low. The low was Sam Houston. You probably remove the high, too. That was Southern Utah. Gymnastics. The high was Southern Utah. The low was go. Sam Houston. That's and now you're left you with the three are. power five teams, the best teams BYU's played. And I get a 71.6, would put him 35th in the country. I want this kind of grading at the judgment bar. <laughs> I don't want the low or the high included. I want what I did in the middle of that. 35 is almost top fourth in college football. There are 133 teams, right? Yeah, that's good. That's great. That's so where we want to be. He's top quarter, essentially, among all Division I quarterbacks against Power 5 opponents. This is with no run game. This is with a I know. stinky run game. What if BYU gets a run game? Now your boy can cook on play action. Because right now, people aren't biting on play action yeah. from BYU much. So what, if and when that starts, which, by the way, Aiden Robbins putting in extra work uh, you know, a- after practice yesterday, so hopefully he's getting better and can be in the mix at some point. I don't know if that means yeah, we, this week or not. We were told, I was told on Coordinator's Corner a couple of weeks ago, that they're hopeful that he plays against TCU. That'd be great. We have yet to really see Aiden be Aiden. And he was not healthy to begin the season. 
Yeah. He was not healthy to begin the season. So let's see if he can't help a brother out. Because, yes. again, this is with no run game. I know. If he had a run game, he'd be uh, way up there numerically in, in certain stuff. Maybe some of the pass numbers come down. But I'm telling you, Riley Nelson's point is still yeah. super valid about limited play action so far this year. Well, if Aiden Robbins is healthy and the run game is healthy and the offensive line is performing how we thought they were, then maybe Keaton Slovis has a better grade overall. Because being the quarterback, as unfair as it is, like, if the offense isn't doing well, you just naturally point to the well, quarterback and, like, you, like, what's the deal? You should be getting the most NIL money. Like, yeah. Y- there's an accounting there, one so, from your accountant of the NIL money, but also from us of credit or blame, right? But, yeah, it takes 11 guys to s- succeed on offense. It really does. But the quarterback, obviously. I'm going to give him the B+. Plus. Maybe he's an A- minus if the run game's going, though. If I walked out of the testing center, the Heber J. Grant building, in, on this very campus – and I saw any kind of B up there. I was so Success. Because the first time I walked out, let's just say uh, it, it was an F. <laughs> it was, I was like, 38? <laughs> Holy crap. Topic two. Sam Houston game. Throw it out, 38. man. 38. Throw it out. 38. Feels like the amount of rush yards per game BYU has right now, they can, they can get that up. Let's go. Uh, I think it's 62. Uh, is, topic two. Is anything above the bottom two spots in the Big 12 preseason poll, which we expect today or tomorrow, good enough – for BYU men's hoop, like not 14th or 13th. Uh, probably. The conference is so good. It's very good. It's so good that if BYU shows up at number 12, I will be like, hey, that's not too shabby. Because of what BYU's done the last two years. And BYU didn't make the NIT last year, right? I heard that. Two years in a row, they have finished fifth in the West Coast Conference. And now you go to the Big 12. The other teams that are kind of near the back end with BYU are probably UCF and then Cincinnati. But even Cincinnati went to an Elite Eight in the NIT, eventually losing to Mark Madsen's Utah Valley Wolverines. Yes, and they brought in some top 100 guys, by the way. So I'm guessing that BYU is probably going to be picked to finish 13th. Don't be entirely shocked. That Johnny Dawkins and UCF are 13th, and BYU is picked last yeah. at number 14. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah. So to answer your question specifically, though, if they're above the bottom two spots and they're at number 12, yes, that is plenty good for BYU basketball and, frankly, a little bit better than I'm expecting. I think BYU is going to come in at number 13 out of the 14 teams. Are you good with not being in the bottom two? Is that good enough? Would I be good with it? Sure. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Football what? was in the bottom four. BYU was 11th in that. Um, and, and for the football team, that works great. I don't know on the basketball team. Typically, basketball is good enough to be NIT+, plus, right? It's rare if they're not. This team certainly has to, uh, to, has to play well to get into the NIT, so, uh, let alone the NCAA tournament. So I, I'm not sure if the basketball team needs that kind of motivation or not. I don't know like, what triggers them more, love or hate or fear, like what's the emotion that kind of drives them the most. Whatever. All I know is uh, BYU's going to be in the bottom three like for sure, and then they got to kind of climb out of that perception, and, and they're going to win some games at home that we're like, we did not see that coming, but we know that BYU in the Marriott Center has got a shot. Has got a shot. We've seen it too many times where BYU plays a good game against a, yes. a formidable foe, and it's this huge underdog with the Marriott Center juice. and da-da-da. Which, by the way, every single men's basketball game in there, in league especially, 
it's going to be nuts because the tickets, like, it's hard to get a ticket. It's hard. <laughs> like, the lower bowl, like, season tickets, like, didn't even get to the public. It was Cougar Club only. Like, it is I, – I have friends and family that are like, oh, I, yeah, I had these seasons uh, tickets down here, and now I'm, like, way up there. The demand is crazy. So, if BYU struggles, and, and that may occur likely, right, in the first year, keep going in January and February because a couple of those wins can build at the end of the season towards, I don't know, maybe getting to the NIT and maybe next year. But it attracts Colin Chandler to be like, yes, I'm still BYU's in BYU yeah. and other guys, right? That BYU, which, by the way, next three weeks, huge for BYU basketball. They're trying to attract some really good freshmen to come here, and, and some are post-mission, some are right away for next year. And those BYU needs those guys. There's a I, we can't say their names, but like, hmm. you know, text me and I'll tell you. <laughs> Sometimes you know who they are. You know who they are. There is great power in having very low expectations. Sure. And there's certainly huge opportunity when expectations are so low. Yeah. A quick story, and I know you know this because we've laughed about this together. And I don't know that I've ever told this on the show. Oh. We're going here today. Okay, and I'm not going to give specific names because there are certain leaders involved at BYU. Okay, but when BYU Sports Nation was first presented as going to TV, that idea Mm -hmm. from the beta test that was radio only to taking it as a simulcast and rolling this out at the West Coast Conference Tournament on TV, one of our good friends and, and a previous leader said, okay, it can't be worse than anything else that's on at 10 o'clock in the morning on BYU TV, right? <laughs> what was on before us? <laughs> well, I, I agree with that sentiment. And I was like, wow, there are no expectations for yeah. us. But our boss at the time, Michael Miner, said, this is exactly where you want to be. It's exactly where you want to be. Because there are no expectations. Well, yeah, if they're like, so you go, need to reach X. And so go it, yeah. and perform and watch what happens. Yeah. And so there's, there's great power in that sometimes. The opportunity was there. And fortunately, because all of you were awesome and engaged with us and grew the audience and helped us, yeah. we're Still here. Growing. We have this studio. Still growing. I feel the same way about BYU basketball. There's no expectations. Let's go. There's Why massive, not? massive Why opportunity. Not? Why not? Why not? Win that- 17 games. Yeah. Come on. You can, you can win like 12, uh, 10 or 11 of those uh, in non-conference. All right. That was a throwback story from a little over 10 years ago. It is Throwback like Thursday. Googling people from the best. <laughs> it is Throwback Thursday, and our question of the day is this. Because of the TCU game approaching, what's your all-time favorite BYU versus TCU moment? Across mm. any sport, football, basketball, soccer, whatever. Good ones. Yep. Okay. Seth Cox on Facebook answers. Yeah. Taking TCU down in 2006 – when TCU was ranked number 16 at the time, yep. and everyone expected BYU to lose. The Cougars were 1-2 going into Fort Worth. It was a signature win for Bronco Mendenhall and started a new chapter in BYU football. It began a 10-game win streak in 2006. BYU's coming off three losing seasons, fires the coach. The next year in 05, Bronco Mendenhall and the gang are 6-6, uh, six and six, but the number 10 passing offense in the country. They're building, building, building. And uh, 06, they really step into that and go 11-2, and two, and that was the beginning of a, a heck of a run. Four years of 10-plus wins had never happened under Lavelle Edwards. Incredible. That happened 06 through 09. Jeff Ballard still has nightmares of David Nixon. <laughs> I know. We were both in school at that point. This is like, this is in our wheelhouse. I wish we had a guest coming up that uh, was kind of in that era. That'd be fun. Women's volleyball <laughs> taking on Texas Tech this weekend. Friday is on ESPNU. 
and then uh, your boy will be on the call Saturday. Jeremy, you asked for it. We got it. Austin Collins. Oh, yeah! In Studio B. Man who knows a thing or two about competing against TCU. We'll discuss, yeah, the rivalry, question mark, with TCU, and what he thinks of the Cougar offense right now, not to mention what Puka Nakua is doing in the NFL. This is BYU Sports Nation. Got that fall look going on. Looks great all the time. Welcome back to Studio B. We are live for BYU Sports Nation on, well, we are game day eve eve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that a thing? It's two days before the day. The, it's, it, is, it is LDS Thursday. Every though. day is LDS. Pat <laughs> <laughs> McAfee said it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> we thought that we should roll that out because LDS we have Thursday. one of Pat McAfee's former teammates. He brought up the guy that introduced him to like BYU slash the church. Austin, Austin Collie. You know, there, there's always a missionary moment, right? <laughs> and you just gotta, you gotta take advantage of it. You gotta grab it and take advantage of it. Do you remember that yeah. moment? Like oh, yeah. Pat being like, what is, what are Mormons? Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was happening every day, right? Like, you know, out, out that way, there's not a lot of people who are very familiar with the, the LDS church, Latter-day Saint church. And, uh, uh, you know, there was some educating going on, right? A lot of questions, right? Some perceived them as, you know, by, uh, depending on what circle I was in, perceived as a little weird, right? A little off. And so you needed to kind of bring him down a little bit and let him know what, what was what. So I you took, represented all of us yeah, to that well, locker room. Yes. As a true missionary. <laughs> yeah. What was Pat like as a teammate? Oh, uh, he's the best. Like what you see is what you get with Pat. Like what you see on his show, man, that, that was him every single day. Right. And, I, and, and as a matter of fact, I remember, uh, the first time, so we used to sit by each other on the plane. We had a very, very close knit draft class. And a, and a very close-knit team, right? It was no coincidence why we were able to make a Super Bowl run, almost have a perfect season, right? Like, we were very unique in that way, especially with our, our draft class, right? And we came in at the same time. And, and I remember sitting on, uh, on a plane with him, sitting next to him, and he had his phone out, and he was putting together what looked like just like an instant message, right? And it had all these hashtags, and this was back in, like, 2009, right? And I'm like, dude, what are you doing, and what is that, right? He's like, this is Twitter, this is going to be the next big thing, right? That's awesome. I'm like, what do those hashtags mean? He's like, you'll see. Just wait one Just day, wait. right? So he, he was, was so wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but no, he, he, he was on it, right? Like, and he, he always had this vision of leveraging football to get to where he is now, and he's having a Which ton is of incredible. Uh, a dude from, uh, where is he from again? Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah West that, Virginia that, graduate. That goes to West Virginia. That is a punter. Yeah. Uh, and kicker, like, incredible. Okay, I want to talk, I want to lead with Puka. Yeah. What Puk has done has been nothing short of remarkable. Mm -hmm. We thought this kid had a chance to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's been incredible. What are you seeing, and how long is it going to take for him to pass you up as greatest receiver in the NFL from BYU? How f does he need a, a two seasons? What are we talking about? Uh, so, so listen, I, I, I watch Puka, and every Sunday I get super jealous. <laughs> and the reason is is because he is uh, – I, I know the state of mind in which he's in, and it is completely, like, unconscious, Right. You had the, those moments. Right. And, 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 and I remember in 2010, man, I yes. lined up every single play feeling like the ball was coming to me. The ball was a watermelon. <laughs> the defense completely slowed down. Again, it, it was, it was, it was kind of euphoric. Yeah, right? And that's yeah. why I watch him. I'm like, I, I know exactly what's going through his mind right now, and that is absolutely nothing. 
right? He's just <laughs> unconscious, and he is just, I mean, he can't do any wrong right now, right? And then that is like, uh, it is so hard uh, to describe to people who haven't been in that state before, but it is, it's, it's remarkable. It's awesome to watch. That was Fun. a special year for you because you're leading the NFL like him in everything through like five or six games. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is the, this is the 2.0 of that. Yeah. Well, what is, uh, I mean, what is he doing that, that uh, is making him so successful right now from your standpoint? So it, it's, it's as evident as ever, like Puka's a smart player, mm -hmm. right? And, and especially in the offense that McVay runs, right, you have to have great spatial awareness. You have to have a high football IQ, understanding defenses, right, especially being in the slot. And you can tell Puka's got all of that, right, which is why that defense has kind of slowed down for him. And then obviously with the help of someone like Matt Stafford, who has had a tremendous amount of success, been in the league a long time, great quarterback, high IQ guy, right, I'm sure he's in meetings just gobbling up every ounce of information that Matt has to offer, right. And so um, – you know, Puka, you could just tell he's, he's a savvy route runner, just like Cooper Cup, right? Gets to watch Cooper Cup work, right? Which isn't a bad thing every single day. Um, but yeah, man, you, you have the smarts. If you have the, the route running ability and you have the hands, like you're going to have success in the NFL. Like you, it is going to happen, especially under guys like Mivey and especially with a quarterback like Matt Stafford. It's fascinating to look at the parallels I mean, you brought up some of them that you were experiencing as a rookie and how mm -hmm. the Puka is feeling, but you also had some unbelievable receivers around you in that room to just learn from, like Puka does with Cooper Cup. Yeah, no, like, absolutely, right? Like, I mean, Reggie Wayne, right, future Hall of Famer, right? Anthony Gonzalez, Dallas Clark, tight end, right? We consider him a wideout. Um, it, was, uh, it was a great group to learn from, right? And our coaches were, were phenomenal. I had one of the best, you know, uh, wide receiver coaches in the league at that time. Um, and then, you know, just being able to, I remember Peyton and I started watching film every Thursday because I went up to him finally and I just said, listen, I, I want to know everything that you know. So how can we make that happen? And so, you know, we started watching film after practice every single Thursday. And, I, and from what I hear, Puka's taking advantage of that same situation with Matt. And those sessions, man, if you can get on the same page and start to think like your QB, like that is like a, it's a, it's a marriage that's never ending and that's just going to constantly pay dividends. That's amazing. Okay, let's talk about uh, Cougar football at this point. Four and one, offense isn't you know blowing the world up with the numbers, but they're taking advantage of of takeaways. They're taking advantage of great starting field position and so on and so forth. What are you seeing through the first five games? So the one thing that I love that I you know that that I'm seeing right, I, I get an, uh, an opportunity to watch film with Chase Roberts. Right, he mm -hmm. took the initiative, kind of the same thing. Asked me like, I want to know everything that you know. Watch film with me every week, right? I was able to train Chase. Me and Dennis were able to train some of the wideouts and, and uh, tight ends during the offseason. And the one thing that is great to watch with this group is they continue to get better and better each and every single game, right? And obviously, everything goes through Keaton. And Keaton being somebody new, right? That's, that's, that, you, you already start with your back against the wall with a new quarterback. But one of the great things about Keaton and being a journeyman is he is so mature and he's seen so many different offenses and so many different defenses, which is why he's so calm back there in the pocket, right? Like he does a wonderful job of staying poised and making sure he keeps his eyes downfield, right? But the great thing about this BYU offense is we just keep getting better and better each week. And from every skill set position, everyone just keeps getting more comfortable with each other. Like you can tell, right? Um, the, the, the dynamic between the wide receivers and, and the tight ends and the quarterback with Keaton, uh, you can just tell they, they, they're starting to kind of get in that groove, um, find those pockets, read each other's body language, make the right throws. Keaton's made some 
very, you know, uh, pretty impressive throws, especially against Cincinnati, right? Like he made some pretty impressive throws, high level throws. Um, and guys are just, you know, finding a way to get open, right? Um, I think overall, we still have a ways to go, right? Mm -hmm. Run game, definitely not where we want it, right? What do we, I think we, we average what, 56 or 62 yards a game. Like, right? Don't remind me, okay. I was <laughs> the third lowest. Okay, that, 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 yeah. that, that's got to improve, yep. right? We, we got to get that rolling. And once we get that rolling, that's going to just open up everything else. Because as of right now, you know, like Keaton's had to, Get out of the pocket, make some plays on his own, make some plays happen. The wide receivers kind of make some plays in the uh, down the field, and that's kind of what's gotten us by. But uh, yeah, we've been discussing essentially midseason grades for Keaton Slovis. We mm -hmm. did this because a couple of ESPN writers put out a grade for all the transfer quarterbacks. They gave Keaton Slovis a B, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, B's pretty solid. But what if the run game were going a little bit like? And now we're seeing Keaton with the ability to open things up a little bit more because play action is actually relevant and would be working if the run game were more potent. Um, where do you stand on that? How would you grade out Keaton Slovis through five games and what can he become if the run game gets going? So I, you know, obviously I've had the luxury of playing with two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, right? So my, 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 my expectation and standards, you know, pretty, pretty high. Um, I, I, I'd give it a B minus. Okay. Right. I'd give it a B minus, but that's because I've seen Keen throw, and I've and I've and I've seen uh, his command of the huddle, his command of his offense. Right. Getting to work with the 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 wideouts and the tight ends, and uh, I, I think he has a lot more left in that cap. Okay. Right? He's got a lot more left in the bottle that he can give us. And you're right, though. Like he does get he gets zero help from the run game. Right. Um, I, I think the offensive line does a wonderful job. Uh, in pass protection, it's just when we run that rock, man, they let too many guys get under their pads. They don't get enough forward push, right? There's some missed assignments out there. You know, we got a young back, right, who, uh, you know, he's young and, and uh, maybe can improve, give, you know, have, have a little bit more wiggle, be a little bit more relaxed out there. But, again, he's, he's just a freshman, right? He was playing high school football last year um, and is wow. doing a great job for, for uh, you know, where he's at in football. Yeah, he was on that yellow bus a few months ago. Yeah, so, like, it's it, wild. It takes a second, right? Okay, TCU, this is a team that you played on the reg in the Mountain West, and here we are in the Big 12. Um, what do you think of the matchup with TCU? Who People, you know, they've lost two games in a row, but this is a good team, and this would be a great win for BYU. Yeah, the record definitely does not indicate what type of talent is on this team, right? When watching film, you can see they are extremely aggressive. They love to play downhill, especially the guys in the box, right? Those linebackers are extremely fast, extremely athletic, extremely strong. They got a phenomenal secondary. Again, a, a, a pair of safeties who are very physical, want to play downhill. I, I will say they love to take chances, right? And hopefully A-Rod's got some, got some uh, magic in the playbook to take advantage of that um, with, with uh, some of the DBs there. But again, we're, we're going to have to establish a run game. We're going to have to get some you know, forward push by the offensive linemen have the backs hit the holes, you know, be certain and trust what they see, not, not be indecisive on, on which hole to hit and where the hole is going to be. Um, but I think, yeah, I, th I think if we can establish a run, there's definitely holes and definitely opportunities in the pass game that we can mm -hmm. take advantage. Austin Collier is on BYU Sports Nation, BYU Athletic Hall of Famer, all-time great for BYU football. A couple of quick hitters as we finish up, Austin. First of all, do you view TCU, because you played against them in the Mountain West and they were a good team, does that carry over as a rivalry now? Like, does, do you feel like it's a rivalry anymore, or has that gone away? Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. To, to, me, to me, a rivalry it needs to involve, like, emotion, right? 
like emotion from the fans, right? That's why I love the BYU-Utah rivalry, right? I'm always sad to see it go when it does leave just because the, the hatred <laughs> that each side has just makes it so much fun, especially <laughs> as a player, right? Like, and, I, and I did not appreciate that like my freshman year. I think, you know, after I said the things I did my freshman year, got into trouble, saying those things, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, it was the first time I really realized like how passionate the fans are about that game. And, and I don't know if that passion exists with TCU. We definitely have a history, right? Definitely have a history with TCU. They're always been a great football team. Um, but, you know, them going, having left the Mountain West, going to the Big 12, uh, I, I don't know if it is there, but I'll tell you what, this is going to be, this could be a rivalry, you know, for the future. In right? a hurry. Yeah. yeah, this could be a rivalry for the future. Could become we'll, something. Yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing them every year. Just so. based on the ticket situation alone. Yeah. Uh, let alone that. Trying to keep BYU fans out. you got to have these human uh, moments, right? Um, with St. Mary's, we didn't anticipate that would become this basketball rivalry. Yeah. But it's like, hey, it can become that. Last thing, uh, you're going to be on BYU SN game day. Yeah. Uh, the pregame show this Saturday. What are you most excited about with that? Just doing this, man. I, I, I could talk ball forever. Like, I love football. I love breaking down film. I love analyzing players. I love analyzing offenses and defenses, man, talking X's and O's. Um, yeah, I, that's probably what I'm most excited about. And Why is like, it taking so long for us to do this then? <laughs> <laughs> this was like 10 minutes. You'll have two hours on Saturday. It'll be awesome. And you have two hours to consume it, which will be awesome. So. Yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. Great to have you with us, man. No, thanks for having Looking me. Forward to hanging out more. Absolutely. Hey, we, let's dial up some uh, one-handed highlights of Austin on Saturday, <laughs> shall we? I've already talked to him. But let's yes. dial it up. Okay, uh, that is 1.30 Eastern coming up Saturday. Uh, Spence and Brian and David and Blaine, David and the gang. BYU and TCU, 1.30 Eastern, featuring Austin Collins. Hey, McAfee, let's get this guy on an LDS Thursday show, huh? It's not just Van Noy. Let's go with Austin. Up next, which offensive players do we expect to play for BYU that have been injured? Is everybody going to be back and healthy? Cody Epps? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Pre-game coming up Saturday. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. Yesterday after practice, BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, he should get the credit, Rick, as we discussed yesterday. <laughs> Talked about the availability of Cody Apps, Parker Kingston, and Aiden Robbins against TCU. Yeah, uh, Cody and Parker are doing a good job, and, and they'll both play in the game, yeah. Um, not sure yet. That one, I, that one I do not know yet, yep. Has he been dealing with that all season? Yeah, he has. It's been, it's, it's been a pain because he's able to do some things at practice, but he's not quite able to play yet. And um, I think we're getting close, but I don't know yet. That sure sounds like it. Yep. Uh, Pre-game coverage begins at 1.30 Eastern Saturday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Another name to keep an eye out on is Waylon Lapuaho, and I'll keep you updated there. Number eight, BYU women's soccer on the road for a massive Big 12 game at Oklahoma State tonight. Really feels like conference title hopes on the line. BYU trails Texas Tech by four points in the Big 12 standings. You can watch the game 8 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. You got a tournament now, you know? You don't win the regular season, you go and win go the in, tournament. Go in, Tony. It's all good. Andy Reid and the Chiefs play the Broncos tonight on Thursday Night Football. Also, Daniel Sorensen will be elevated to the Saints 53-man roster for this week's game against the Texans. Congrats to Daniel and Kyle Van Noy, who were like off the radar 
And then on 53, Go. because they can play the game. Absolutely. Jimmer Fredette, speaking of guys who can play their respective game, helped Team Miami take third place in the three-on-three -three Doha Challenge in Qatar yesterday. He's very much a world traveler. He's all over the place. Them sky miles is pretty good. And BYU men's golf took ninth at the Big 12 match play event yesterday after beating Kansas in the final round. Cougars are led by Cooper Jones, who canned a long Woo, cool. putt to win his match. That's awesome. I thought it was 50 feet. Todd Miller corrected me. He says more like 40 feet. But still. Oh, only 40? An eagle from 40 feet to win the match. Summon your eagle powers. <laughs> well done, Coop. Those are today's headlines. Now, some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. West Virginia plays Houston tonight in Big 12 play, so we need the pick from Big 12 Roundup. West uh -huh. Virginia favored uh -huh. by a measly two and a half. Who you got? Can't believe I'm going to do this. You going to Houston? I'm taking oh! Houston because, because of the Oklahoma State beating Kansas State and Iowa State beating TCU, kind of weird okay. trend. The Big 12 feels very unpredictable, especially for road teams. I hate the BYU's on the road this week, but whatever. So I, I'm, I'm taking Houston to cover here, not win, but just maybe it's a one-point game. West Virginia could still All win. Needs it. A cover. Taking Houston to cover here. Houston has won a couple of close games. The defense has been really good when they've won. Nope, West Virginia and Super Pick. Super Pick. And super Pick. Jerem's going Super Pick for two points. With Hold West on. Virginia. Mountaineers. Neil Brown. West Virginia. <laughs> All right, on to basketball. Of BYU men's hoops, 31 games on this year's schedule. 13 of them, 13, yeah. are against teams that are projected to be in the NCAA tournament by Joe Lenardi right now. Yeah. <laughs> what do you make of this? Uh, Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas State, you're playing twice, so that adds to that. Only one non-conference game is a projected tourney team at this moment. That would be San Diego State. So I think in non-conference, that makes me excited. Like, get some wins there, and then in league, of course. Can you win a third? Go 10 and three in non-con, and then massive opportunity after massive opportunity is presented in league. Let's go. Can baby. you somehow get six? Oh, that would be amazing. Diamondback players celebrated the sweep over the Dodgers last night by doing cannonballs into the hot tub in the outfield at Chase Field. Does Miller Park need a hot tub in the facility? That would be awesome, for sure, a facility upgrade, but who needs a hot tub when you just have cold pools like you jumped into back in Las Vegas in 2015. Yeah. Good for the body, cold. good for your health. Forget the hot tub, yeah. just go the cold tub plunge like Jerem did eight years ago. It was very cold. What was colder was the walk um, back because I didn't bring out sandals. Let's go. Looking a little uh, chubby there too. Uh, Come on. It is what it is. You look great uh, for your age. Come yeah, I'm not, I'm not a good uh, big Wim Hof guy, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll go real cold if you want to. <laughs> Jeez. Track and field and cross country posted a hilarious picture of Ed Iso doing his best Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, Dennis. I don't know. About Olympic qualifications for Connor Mance and Clayton Young. <laughs> Elite recreation, right? Yeah, this is really good. And if you haven't seen the Charlie pic, you need to see that too, right? <laughs> But like, yeah, the, the conspiracy theory. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I figured it out. I know what's going on. I know how they can qualify for the Olympics. I love his character so That's much. Great. In Pacific Rim, they basically just brought that same character yes. in, and I was like, yes. wait, what? Oh, OK. This is He's like also the old spaceship voice pilot in the Lego movie. Spaceship! Oh, right. Spaceship! Spaceship! That's right. 
Oh, my oh, gosh. Fantastic. Okay, <laughs> uh, BYU uh, and, and Sports Nation. We're going to be at Big 12 Basketball Media Go. Days coming up next Tuesday for the Women's Day, Wednesday for the Men's Day, live from Kansas City, Missouri. Look who's back in Missouri. Going to Kansas City. We back, baby. What is your favorite all-time moment against TCU? We'll tell you hours after the break. This is BYU Sports Station on a throwback Thursday. Get him, Curtis. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This program's on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our throwback Thursday question of the day is this. What's your all-time favorite BYU TCU moment? Any sport. Ben Peterson on X says, the high five from Riley Nelson. I was five feet away. I was at that game, as was Jerem. Able to witness it in all its glory. The outcome was not what I wanted, but it was fun to be there. So I was, I was sidelined for KSL that season for two games. That was one of them. And uh, there's this, like, button on this, like, you know, Batman utility pack that you yeah. click to yeah. talk. And I just would be hot between Greg and Mark, right? And, and I see the high five, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I got to mention this. I, I flip it on. It takes, like, two seconds to get there. And Mark goes, Riley Nelson just high five. The ref and I was like, "Gosh, dang it, Mark! You have great eyes, and you, you, you <laughs> let me you report me something." Yeah, no, Mark. Mark was really good, and I was like, "Shoot, I should have added something to that." Like, I've never seen that. Or, I didn't add anything. I was just like, "Mark's better than me." <laughs> He's better than his, me. And his hair smells like cinnamon. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day, presented by Pax Healthcare, elevated from Keith Robertson on X. There's only one right answer. Mm. David Nixon. I agree. Demolishing TCU's quarterback, Jeff Ballard, in the 2006 game. <laughs> this changed the entire tone of the game. And the season. Sack, fumble, recovery. BYU would roll in Fort Worth and started a 10-game win streak. Thank you, David Nixon. That, that team is so influential. Think about the people still involved around here. Oh. Jan Jorgensen is on the staff. David Nixon is on our staff, uh, among other guys, right? Austin Colley wasn't on the 06 team. He was on his mission still. But like the 07, 08, 09, like that era of guys, John Beck, Dennis Pitta, they are influencing Max Hall. They are influencing the current team in an amazing way still. What, what a hit by David Nixon. Oh, my goodness. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It was Steve Young's birthday yesterday. Sorry we missed it. But Steve tweeted, thanks to everyone for the birthday wishes. I celebrated doing multiple to- Toyota Sienna <laughs> Swagger Wagon donuts in the parking lot. He actually did an interview on the show from The Swagger Wagon. Yeah. He's like, I'm still carpool, boys. Here in the Swagger Wagon. Steve Young, he's one of us. <laughs> I love it. Our thanks to today's guests, Austin Colley and Keaton Slovis. What a show. Sorry to Dennis. We had time for Austin, though. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Houston Reynolds and all the Reynolds boys. We'll see you tomorrow back here on BR Sports Station. I'll be in Fort Worth. Reynolds rep, dog. Go Cougs.